Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in Iran. My guest today is uh, Mike Erie. Mike has been a pastor of several different, uh, very large churches in Southern California, and then he took a hiatus from ministry for a little bit, and now he's back in ministry as a, a teaching pastor at Journey Church outside of Nashville, Tennessee. He's also the host of a podcast that's very similar to Theology in Iran. It's called Voxology. It was formerly called the Vox Podcast. If you have not listened to Mike Erie's podcast, I think you would really enjoy it if you enjoy this one at all. Mike is just a brother from another mother. We I don't think we've ever hung out in person, but we've known each other for years online. You know, he's endorsed some of my books. I've had him on the podcast before. We chit chat back and forth, not as much as I would like, but periodically. He's just a great, great, honest dude, curious dude, and I'm excited for you to listen to him. So please welcome back to the show, the one and only Mike Erie. Dude, you're one of those guests that I want to have on like every other week. I don't. Oh. I, I, it's been a while well, since you've been on, and that's so unfortunate. It's totally on, on me. I'm sorry. Listen, it's when two when two guys who are similarly um, good looking and similarly <laughs> intelligent. I mean, I, I get that there's a bit of a like the opposite of magnetism. I get that. I get that. And so I understand that I'm threatening in some ways, and it's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> we don't have a YouTube channel, and now you're seeing the reason why. <laughs> so last time we talked, you were in exile back in Ohio. <laughs> well, I mean, that's yes, so actually the opposite. Lord. But um, you're down in Nashville now, past pastoring or part of a. I forget your Dude, role. You yes. lead or teaching pastor? How'd that come about? Teaching pastor. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So so like a lot of us. Um, I had done the, the mega church thing mm -hmm. and had done it according to the values and systems, you know, that were kind of handed down and, um, and realized I was just not a very good one. I ended up planning, planning a church, but I had some health challenges and my mom had some health challenges. And so moved to Ohio and we were there for four years and I just thought, okay, well, I'll just do podcasting and, mm -hmm. and that's it. But I really began, um, not shocking to anybody, but I really began to miss having a flesh and blood community where some of the stuff we were talking about on the yeah. podcast could be worked out. So we weren't just critiquing things because that's easy. Right, right, right. But but we were working to create something that 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 felt a bit different. And um, and so I, I began with a close circle of of people to just ask God, God, would you allow me to? serving the church again. I don't want to be a lead lead pastor. I don't, I'm, I'm not gifted and I'm not interested in the, the maintenance of the organization. Yeah. But man, to work out the text in a flesh and blood community, yeah. that was super compelling. And then two weeks later, I got a call from a friend who I'd worked with at um, a church in California. And he said, Hey, we, we, we're, you know, 300, 400 person church and we're looking for a teaching pastor and would you be interested? And it was like a no brainer. Wow. So it's been, it's been awesome. Wow. So to have, to have a podcast on yeah. the one hand where you can experiment and learn and yeah. be curious, but then to have a flesh and blood community that you're talking to every week, that, that dynamic, that dual dynamic for me has been the healthiest dynamic I've been in in a long time. I've got a question no, that I've had. I've got a question that I've had on my mind for a while, and I think you might be the right person to 
ask, I'm going to ask real quick, but I want to table it because I have more questions about your church. What is the ecclesiological role of a podcast? This thing is so new. It has become very um, incredibly influential, disruptive, and yet it seems to just like be driving in a completely parallel lane as a typical rhythm of ecclesiology. You seemed, I mean, ah, what the heck? Let's just dive in right now. Because you you started a church. I've never heard of this before back back in California, right? Um, They grew out of the podcast. Like it was the podcast community that was local. And you started a church. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And would you recommend that? Is that something that we should be doing more of? Or (laughs) oh, I you know so so the the that is such a good question, Preston. Oh my goodness, and I've wrestled with that so much, and I've actually talked to some really. Oh yeah, I've never heard anybody frame it that way. Like what what is the the relationship between the podcast world, Christian podcast world, doing Christian things or whatever, and 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 the local church? I you know that's so I mean. the fact that you even asked that question, it shows how impoverished I think the American imagination is about church that we don't that that is fertile ground for more conversation. But um, for me, I, I had left. I'd had a really hard experience at a, at a large church, very traditional church. And I thought in my arrogance that I could just kind of teach my way into some things without having to do the really hard shepherding work of loving people over the course of decades into the future. And so there was a lot on me that was immature and impatient. There were some things and some dynamics in the church that were super painful uh, that were being expressed to my wife and I. And so I resigned pretty abruptly. And and looking back on it, I, I, I was wrong to do so. I was wrong to I was wrong in the way that I handled it okay. for sure. Um, I was not doing what was best for the church. I was doing what I thought was best for me. And I know there's a fine line in there, Mm -hmm. but I should have been more patient and I mean all the things. But I found myself just one day without pastoring and I thought, okay, I think I'm I'm done with this. Mm. You know, I've tried it and I don't know that I'm very good at it, but I'm I'm like you, good at taking content and kind of exploring it and reducing it down to accessible forms and whatever else. And so we started a podcast that it wasn't going to be like a talk show format and it wasn't going to just be exclusively interviews. It was going to be some, some like original content. Mm -hmm. And we found there to be this kind of church refugee sort of audience for the content. The first podcast we did was why gay marriage is good for the church. The Oberfell decision had just come down. And 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 I was just making the point, oh, wow, well, we have to confront now all of the double standards about how we treat sexual sin. We have to talk about sexuality in ways that are far more compelling. We have to have good answers for why gay people are treated the way they've been treated. Yeah. And and that, you know, I could never have had that conversation in a, in an organized ecclesia. But there were so many Why? people. That, who that were, I have a problem with that, but you're acknowledging just me something too. that is. Me but, too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. me too. Because uh, I always thought the church should be the safest place to talk about anything, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, that seems like that should be that should be the case. But the podcast format opened up that opportunity without the attendant violations of ecclesial authority and permission and structure. And so we found this 
kind of broad audience of people who wanted to have those conversations, but just they weren't allowed to mm-hmm. in traditional evangelical structures. So similar to you, right? We're able to explore things and have conversations even with people that, you know, with whom we deeply disagree that allow us to um, talk about cultural realities in ways that don't have to honor this massive institution and the financial basis behind it. Yeah. And so what was interesting is um, we then um, did a couple of meetups and realized, oh my goodness, there's a church here, <laughs> but, a, but a unique kind of church we organized around the Eucharist. We, uh, we opened the service with the sermon and the sermon's point was to lead into the Eucharist. It wasn't some mm. awe inspiring, you know, killer sermon series questions and answers. And we, we really emphasized table fellowship and all those things. And we found that there was this beautiful pre-cultural work that had been done by the podcast mm. that allowed for a pretty quick assimilation into a church culture that was unique. And I'd never sort of seen happen before. Mm. So I think there's an, a, there is a place, but I think Christian podcasts are different for some it's just the sermon that yeah. we do. For others, it's interview and exploring different topics through different personalities. Mm-hmm. For others, it's kind of a talk show that is just yeah. fun and and light and whatever. And um, I think there's a place for exploration of, of scripture and culture that does lend itself to follow up, um, whether it's sharing a meal or whether it's Q&A or further discussion or whatever. And so we even see that now. One of the biggest requests we get on our podcast is, well, how do I find like-minded listeners? Hmm. And we've yeah. tried to organize something called micro communities that COVID totally interrupted. But there was a lot of energy uh, around people trying to find like-minded churches and people to kind of continue the conversations with. How, how did you manage? So I think we, what, what does that look like? How, how did you... Did you have some kind of online platform for them to find other people or we were working on that. Okay. We were working on that. And th- there are some out there now, but we just got requests. Hey, do you know of a good church in okay. Arizona? Do you know of a good church? And so we'd throw that back to our audience and our audience would say, I don't know of one in Arizona, but I'm, I'm here in Arizona and would love to hook up with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, there, I, there was this natural desire to sort of incarnate some of the the relational dynamics that we were embodying in the way we were doing the podcast that I think in some ways could do a lot of work towards building a unifying culture um, with people that have no other reason to exist together. So anyway, I do think there's a role there. Absolutely. Did did you, so you, I mean, like if I, if I did that, I would probably have like seven people in my church here and boy, like I don't have a big local following, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but like your your listeners when you started it were were they largely local because yes. probably because of your yes. pastoral platform. So a lot of okay. Totally. So that wouldn't work yeah. for all but, podcasts. I no, guess. not at all. But since we've since um so I've been out of California, I think five years now, that that impulse has has not gone away, but it's more you know, vastly more spread out. So mm-hmm. people in Texas or people in We've had people in other countries like you, I mean, yeah. that, that are that are looking for some sort of connection through the podcast yeah. um, that, that they're not finding in a local church. And that's good and bad. Yeah. Is right? that going to become, is that going to replace the church? Like, um, right. 
I got thoughts about that even, some pros and cons to that. Well, that's what it is. It's a total trade-off. Should we encourage that or should we not? Well, it's hard because I'll get comments. Amazing. Like people saying, you know, you've, I, I, I finally can ask a hard question. You talk about things that I'm thinking about, but I've never heard talk about church. Um, I, you know, I've had people say, you know, you've been my pastor for the last few years and all these things. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, but then they tell me about their church situation or options. And I'm like, well, I'm a hundred percent not trying to replace the church, be the church, be somebody's pastor. Um, but it's, is it my fault that people are at places that they can't even ask a hard theological question and either get right, like either down, look down upon or get some canned answer that it's like, yeah, but I've got a thousand reasons why your response doesn't really match scripture. You know, like do I cancel theology in Iran and you know, throw it back on the church to do it? Or if they're not doing stuff, I, you know what I mean? Like I, I do. I, I absolutely, man. I, so here's the impulse that sits behind me. And this is the reason why I wanted to go back into a local church Okay, for me was um, it's just too easy to critique and not create, yeah, right? We would sure, both agree absolutely. like that's deconstructing is the easiest thing in the world these days. Yes. Building something that's, you know, not perfect, but a little different from the norm, it's a lot harder. And so for me, the ha- to have both arenas yeah. has been the healthy, like I said, the healthiest yeah. I, I've been. So I do think there's a role that the podcast can and should never have okay. in the lives of people. Which is, um, but I, I, that, that, um, the Eucharistic communal sure. social okay. dynamics, the new Testament div- invites us into. Good. Yeah. I think that a podcast can set the table for a way of seeing the church that allows people to discern healthy from unhealthy to engage with their normal, average, ordinary church in ways that are much healthier than uh, the just traditional consumeristic. So like, you know, when people say, what do you look for in a church? I'm like, well, the last thing I would look for is teaching because you can get good teaching everywhere, right? You do not need to go to a church for some killer sermon series or whatever, but find a church um, that is growing together in love, that is manifesting the Sermon on the Mount, that cares about the things that Jesus cares about. And some of that could be teaching great, but that's not the sole thing anymore, mm-hmm. right? Because we have access to so many other resources. Uh, that would be one example of where I think a podcast can help, right? Yeah, it's easy yeah. to share. It's not, I'm not inviting you to church. I'm just like, hey, take a listen to this. I know we disagree on this issue, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's almost like, um, like what's the role of like a therapist? You know, like you go to right. therapy when oh, you're dealing good. with anxiety. All you're dealing with all kinds of things that are really in the category of discipleship, but maybe right. the people at the leaders at church maybe not be as well equipped in that area. They're just not doing you know extensive, robust right. clinical therapy. Um, so in some ways, I mean, it's almost could could podcasting, depending on the podcast host, almost be akin to like theological therapy (laughs) or triage yeah triage yeah absolutely absolutely i mean i i look at i look at so dallas willard Mm -hmm. is a guy that we both would adore and he wrote a book called the divine conspiracy in the 90s one of my favorite books ever and it was so influential and so shaping Mm -hmm. what was the role of that book in my life yeah Right. Well, was it discipling? Oh my, yes, absolutely. But was I in touch with him at all? Not at all. 
So I would say, oh my goodness, God, God uses resources beyond the body to inspire body kind of life. Of course. So I would say if, if it's a healthy podcast, if it's, if it's cruciform and focusing on new creation dynamics, then hallelujah, I think that plays a part in discipleship the way a good book might. Oh, that's a great analogy. Yeah. I think because it is a book does feel way less personal. It's very yeah. two-dimensional and maybe a podcast is is more than that. A little fuller, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that maybe that's why it does get a little bit closer to kind of a church dynamic. Yeah. But like you said, it is it is ultimately disembodied and non-Eucharistic. I love that idea. Um, and, yeah. and therefore it can't, shouldn't replace the yes. church. Yes. What's yes. your current church like? I mean, again, you don't strike me as the type of person that would fit into kind of a traditional church no. model. I mean, what's the, what, what's it's journey church, no. right? Journey. Yes. Yeah. What? I, I, I have been so impressed by these humans I, and I know my goodness, I'm going to speak really positively about them. You're still on the honeymoon um, stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I've been there almost two years and and it's funny the leadership team is made up of people who've all worked in large churches and have swore they never work in churches again. Okay. And so I mean it's it's little things like we have a lead pastor who is unbelievably humble. He's gifted in a lot of different ways, but his biggest gift is just collaboration. So there are four of us that that sort of sit on this leadership team and all the decisions are collaborative. And, and I know that's an easy thing to say, mm. but if you've sat with people who are dominant personalities, you know that collaboration is never really collaboration. It's like processing to get to whatever it is the the pastor wants to do. Well, this isn't isn't like that at all. We have four very gifted individuals who are very specifically gifted in very specific lanes. Um, and so I've never been a part of a, a healthier team. That that operates and um, deals with conflict among themselves in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. The church is, I don't know, it's probably three or four hundred people. So it's at a it, it's at a size that allows it to not have to fight for survival, but also isn't swamped by yeah. and consumed by all the growth dynamics that tell us what successful churches look like and act like. That might be my favorite size: two to four hundred, five hundred. Oh. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. We do two services. It's great. The culture is Eucharistic. The culture is based around table fellowship, um, which means, you know, we perform our social status at the table of Jesus. And that social status is that we're all gift recipient. Hmm. None of us have a right to be there. and None of us have a right to determine who else gets to come. We talk about uh, race in the heart of the South, and that hmm. causes heartburn for folks. We um, are in the middle of a series on the Bible, where we're talking like like really meta conversations about the scripture, and it results in thirty to fifty questions after every service. We do cute. You do Q and A after every every sermon or talk or yes, okay, yes, I love that. Yes, 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 I and, love that. Oh, they can text in. It is it is it is absolutely phenomenal. Goal of the service, of course, is the use the Eucharist. We we've spent you know six months in the Sermon on the Mount, but the, but there is a great deal of permission to explore the things that we're talking about right here because the church isn't invested in its own self preservation. It's very invested in what does it look like in the South 
to follow Jesus in the midst of the cultural streams that are kind of swirling all around us Mm -hmm. and to create a place where like affirming and not affirming people can share the bread and the cup where, you know, red state people and blue state people can share the the bread and the cup um, where, you know, people that, you know, want to build a wall with people who are, you know, illegal immigrants can share the bread and the cup. And so we we spend a lot of time trying to be centered, focused, uh, centered and focused. And so there's a culture that we've created or working to create and that was being, you know, embodied before I ever showed up. That is so attractive to me. Mm. We don't, we don't religious, we don't do a lot of religious programming. Once a month, we, we offer something called the table, which is invitation of our church to share meals together. Okay. And that's kind of all we do. Wow. And, uh, and so for the rest, we try to provoke curiosity and conversation on the weekends leading to the Lord's Supper. Uh, we embody the table as a way of life. And then that's kind of it. Wow. And it's been unbelievably refreshing to not be busy. Do, do you have you know? um, a lot of kind of like, yeah, maybe D church type people there or? Um, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I'm all, I'm new to this, right? Cause I pastored California. The Southern Baptist convention is a big deal down here. Like okay. it is a big freaking deal. <laughs> really? So there, there are dynamics. Yes. There are dynamics around issues like baptism that, you know, in my non-denominational kind of church structures in California, we never had to, that was never a thing, Yeah. but it's very much a thing here. Alcohol, a thing. There are these, these regional issues Race. I mean, very much we have a Confederate statue in the center of our little town and there is a deep sense of mistrust Hmm. um, around. I mean, our church split over masks and mandates. Your church, they Uh, drowned it or? Yeah. 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 I mean, we lost hundreds of people because uh, we were listening to the CDC recommendations and encouraged masks. And then at one point we split. So one service was mask required. Another service wasn't. Oh really? But we were, yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, going to create was, two. Different, it, that's going to create two different churches right there. It it did, yeah. and and so we're sitting in the middle of this, going, okay, so how do we be faithful Jesus people? And the only answer we know is to proclaim Jesus and center ourselves on Him and the meal that He gave us, because that's the only thing strong enough mm-hmm. to hold all of that tension together, right? It's not going to be a great or compelling worship. It's got to be something bigger than all of that, mm-hmm. and so. Um, it's just been interesting because I think a lot of churches in our area sort of had had to go through that that thing. There's an energy in the South that's just different than um, some of the energies I've been at, you know, in other places of the country. So yeah, because you're, you're uh, I mean, you're yeah. you're a born Yankee, right? And then you go to California oh, yeah. for a while, and so living this this is a different culture for yeah. you, right? I mean, it is are, are absolutely. the uh, the, absolutely. Stere- the stereotypes of Bible Belt and stuff is that are they pretty right. true? But I mean, Nashville's a little bit like kind of how Austin is to Texas, right? Like it's a little exactly not- okay. yes, yes. Nashville, Nashville's really interesting. Uh, mo- like almost all the people on in our neighborhood are transplants, so there aren't. There's such an influx of people right. moving to Tennessee. Some, some because it's a very red state, and mm-hmm. particularly from California, we have several sets of friends who are thinking about moving to to where we live, which is in Franklin. And um, some because it's a red state, some because it's small town and country, and not not 
super south, but a, a little still cosmopolitan. Nashville, you know, has some great universities, and obviously the music scene is, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but but it's been interesting to see the influx of people, and that and the influx has allowed us to take some steps away from some of the cultural okay. conventions because not everyone's immersed in them. Right. Right. Sense. Right. Yeah. No, totally. That that's, I mean, I've, I've been there several times and that's, it, it doesn't feel as stereotypical deep South uh -uh. Bible belt, you know, as, as, uh -uh. as other places, but I'm, you know, but I've heard people say, no, it's still, it's still Bible belt. Like you get, you know, Oh yeah. Um, people kind of judge you church. if you don't go to church or something on Sunday. <laughs> like if you're walking around town, yeah. I maybe not that much, but like, you know, walking around Sunday morning, people yeah. are like, how come we're not in church? <laughs> it is a, it is a very highly churched yeah. culture for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Man. And, and there is, yeah. yeah. So it's just been, it's been really in, uh, instructive for me to, yeah. um, to kind of encounter this and love it. And, um, uh, there's much to enjoy. And the people here are just ridiculously amazing around the redness of the state that, you know, mm -hmm. is a big deal. Do, do you find, um, are, are people there? I, I keep, I always hear people that live there saying it's just, it, it is a very friendly place. Like it's just easy to yeah. make relationships, but then other people say, well, though you have that kind of superficial southern charm but to get really deep is hard would you say it's kind of a both and or um yes i yeah the stereotype's true for sure like um there is a politeness that doesn't lead to much depth but that's not been our experience in this little community the experience in this community has been remarkable because i again i think there are refugees from the majority church culture mm -hmm. that end up finding um Places, whether it's a podcast or community that, that where they have permission to doubt and wonder where they um, like we we empower women in all levels of leadership. That's very uncommon right. um, in our area and um, which which, you know, it causes a lot of folks to, to not want to participate. And that's totally great. There are loads of great churches, mm -hmm. you know, that view the opposite view. But um there is a, I think, a deep hunger everywhere for um, something that allows for what the the healthiest podcasts allow for, right? Which is this real engagement with real issues and real people, and not pretending yeah. that you know everything is as clean cut and as chipper as we sort of want it to be. Yeah. What, what What's the relationship between your podcast and the church? Is it does it exist alongside, or is it kind of is it viewed as like a ministry of the church for lack of better terms or, uh, yeah, great, great question, Preston. Um, I try to keep them separate because the podcast is intended to stir up conversations okay. and I can take, I can make assumptions about my audience that I would not make in a church setting. Okay. So, um, yeah. so like for instance, if I'm in a church setting and we're heading to the Eucharist, I'm, I have a set of assumptions about the people in the room and I don't, carry those assumptions over into a podcast uh, as an example. So I would take much smaller bites around issues and questions and frame them much differently in the church than I would on a podcast. Hmm. And not because the, the one is better than the other, but because when you're talking to the same people over and over again in sort of a pastoral role, there to me feels like there's a follow-up responsibility to that that the podcast doesn't always have. Interesting. 
Have you thought through that? That's 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 well thought out. Have you wrestled with that? We have. I, I have. Yes, for sure. Just just because you know the church and the church leadership's great. Like they're like, well, yeah. Why wouldn't you talk about the podcast? And I'm like, no, no, no. I don't. Okay. I don't want to because there are people who um, they're not all in the sort of I have big questions about the faith kind of space. Okay. Yeah. And just to and just to jump into a podcast on how it is that we're to treat the LGBTQ plus community or, Hey, the Bible in the Bible, God, you know, accommodates human failure a bunch. Mm -hmm. What's that mean? Like you're not just primed for those sorts of conversations and uh, you, cause there's no relational trust that's mm -hmm. been built up. So the relational trust piece that, um, I am for the community. I'm not here arbitrarily trying to be controversial or that I'm not trying to build a platform or whatever that has to be established over years. And, right. uh, before you can have some of those conversations, I've often wondered, like, you know, as I constantly exploring, like how it, it or should, you know, podcasts be integrated into the rhythm of a, of a local church. Um, I've often wondered like, what, what if you did, like, what if, what if I was, you know, in a church that wanted to support the podcast somehow. And they said, Hey, what, what if like on Sunday night, you can do like a live podcast exactly how you do it normally, yep. you know, but it's just, it's, it's at the church. It has embodiment. It integrates this kind yes. of more free thinking, disruptive flavor that you bring. Yep. But we, we think that that yep. shouldn't be the totality of church and maybe not even like a, um, a Eucharistically yeah. oriented Sunday worship time. Right, right. But we do want it to be part of the rhythm of, of the church for people that are, are wanting that kind. So it's not, you can be a part of the church and never come to the podcast, but you can also be part of the church and, and feel like, you know, that this is part of my church identity is engaging in yes. more disruptive kind of conversation. And it could be a blend of maybe an audience Q and a, it could be a conversation with yes. me and a Muslim or something. And like, Hey, let's, let's talk through this. That would be the dream. See, that's the dream is that kind of integration would yeah. be awesome. Okay. Can you do that? I'm not, I mean, I could make a phone call to your leaders and suggest, is that something you would want at your church? And is, I don't want to put you on the spot, I, I actually, because I don't know. Oh, no, 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 you're not. No, no spots, dude. This is so fun. I've been the most resistant one to that. Okay. The church is great. They're magnificent and gracious. I'm the one that's had the the like, ah, I don't know. Because if I integrate the two, then I have to change the assumptions I make going into the podcast. I'm not sure I want to do that. I want to be able to say things on the podcast without the pastoral weight declaring from the front of a stage over a people in a position of authority, Hey, you know, we believe this as a, and, and I'm trying this on because I mean, I don't see myself in a position of authority or whatever, but in a podcast, the medium allows for, Hey, so let's try this thought on and let's explore it. But I don't know that I would do that in a kind of conventional church setting. Is it, and is it because you're, you are a teaching pastor there? Like, what if I came to your church as a, just a congregant, I'm just me, nothing changes. Would, would that space be different in that I wouldn't carry the same, I, your phrase, I like your phrase, pastoral kind of responsibility or weight in, into it or. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, yes, I totally think that. And as we've started doing Q and A at, at the end of all of our teachings or in the middle of our teachings, that process has been accelerated so that like there's that exploring that's happening in real time 
But when I prepare, I'm preparing with sort of different sensitivities in mind about what I'd be willing to say and explore and sort of throw out there as opposed to what I would do on the podcast, which is people can just turn that sucker off and leave. You know, they don't have to ever listen to it again. In a church community, it feels like there's a different dynamic that needs to be respected. Mm. And that sort of Eucharistic dynamic where my role, like my, I have a great therapist who said, and this will get back to what we're saying, but she asked me once, she's like, whose wounds are you trying to heal when you teach? (laughs) Are they your wounds? And you're trying to, oh, dude, it was changed the way I taught entirely. Hmm. But um, when I'm teaching in a church, I'm thinking about the the benefit of the community in terms of how this is going to play together when we see each other next week and two years from now and whatever, whatever. In a podcast, I don't I don't feel like I, I can I, I have that same sort of back end responsibility. Man, that that's a yeah, that's yeah. I don't if, know if this if, is right. I no, totally no. I hear what you're saying because. I, I think I, I never thought about it, but I think I might have the same kind of assumption. Like people always ask me, you know, why did you have this guest on or that guest, whatever? I, I, my simple answer is like, I wanted yeah. to talk with them. They seem like an interesting person, read their book, disagreed with most of it. So I wanted to hear them out, you know, or whatever, like, um, right. or they're an expert in this area. And I just, it really is a selfish yes. in yes. a sense, but that yes. it just so happens that what I'm interested in and, and the way I go about it seems to resonate with another group of people who like to listen in. But I'm not, I'm not thinking, right. I rarely, sometimes I do, sometimes I do, but usually I, I don't think what would be, how could I best serve my podcast audience? And again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just, right. I just like right. having interesting conversations yeah. with people. Um, yes. So, but as yeah. a pastor, you, you do need to think differently, I think. That's yeah. right. Okay. Huh. And that's been part of my problem in the past has just been thinking, as long as the teaching's good, I don't have to do much else. And realize, no, 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 that the teaching is the smallest bit, right, of what it is to be uh, a part of a pastoral team. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I love, I love exactly what you're saying. I would have people on the podcast that I would never invite to a church community, <laughs> because you haven't loved the church community into a place to receive and discern what it is that they're saying. Well, you know, whereas the podcast community, that's just sort of assumed in the format. No, okay, that's that's a so I've often used a distinction of I view a podcast like a conversation with my neighbor that I happen to hit record. It's not yeah. a sermon from a stage where it is more and again, I'm I'm authoritative might not be the best word, but it is more like no, okay, I've I'm not just thinking out loud. I've I've ironed this out and I am conveying yeah. something that yeah. I do have more con- conviction a- about. That's right. Th- that's Good. the distinction. I do wonder. I do wonder, though, if a church You're could and maybe even need more of the conversation with, the, like, have the conversation in a maybe not the Sunday Absolutely. service or whatever, but like have a church embrace yeah. conversation that is purposely messy, where the pastor is saying, "Yeah, I'm not sure what I think about inerrancy and 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 how to go about this. Yeah. And what do you do with this passage yeah. and that?" I I wonder yeah. if that could be pastorally helpful for people. Absolutely. But think about the relational trust required for people to hear that well. Okay. And so, so like we just had a a conversation about inerrancy where I was trying to argue one particular definition of inerrancy, which 
you know, is one of the more popular ones. But it was like in the original autographs, when all the facts are known and properly interpreted, the Bible never lies, you know, and never, it never, never disagrees with the facts of the universe. My point was, well, we don't have the original autographs. We don't know what proper interpretation looks like, and we don't know all the facts. <laughs> so is that a helpful way to describe the Bible? And I was just saying, well, I don't think it, I don't think it is. Um, I, I think that God doesn't lie and the Bible is faithful in what it records, but I don't think when you talk about like, um, poetry and errant, isn't the word I would use there. Right. Like when and David so, cries so was, out, God, where are you? I feel like you've left me. And someone says, is that an error or not? Right. It's like, that's not the right category to understand someone's right. human emotions, you know, but. Right. Exactly. Yes. When the, when the psalmist says, God, you know, I pray that you would take the infants of Babylon and dash their heads against the wall. Is that God saying that? No, that's the human saying that. Right. And is that an errant? Uh, it seems pretty errant. I know what people mean when they use the word. My point in even bringing up that example is that we had to do several weeks worth of work talking about the Bible Interesting. Yeah. before we had that conversation. You know what I mean? Whereas no. on the podcast – it could just come up in conversation. You'd be like, yeah, I'm not sure that's a really helpful concept. Right. And I wouldn't feel the need to sort of lead people into that and lead people out of that while giving them lots of room to be in process with it. Because Yeah, that's helpful. I, I, um, back when I was at the Bible college, I felt like I, I treated the classroom almost more like the podcast. Like I wasn't afraid to mm -hmm. explore, deconstruct, let things sit let them be uneasy, but I had them for a semester or in some cases, I mean, two years, you know, or it was a small Bible yeah, college, yeah. So sometimes four years where I'm, you know, hanging out, they're yeah. doing meals together, yeah. they're watching my kids. Yeah. So there is that, it's, it was kind but of both and. Absolutely. And it's brilliant that you would teach that way. And that's what made you a great teacher, hmm. but embedded in the, the form of teacher lecture student yeah. is the idea that we're exploring together. Yeah. And I, I think there there should be more of that in the church. I'm just saying I feel a greater weight yeah. to lead people in and out of that more than I do on the podcast. I think the ideal would be, quite honestly, something along the lines of what you what you had shared, where um you have the Eucharistic celebration and you have a text that sort of leads us into that. And and then you have um a place where you can have conversations, really honest, authentic conversations around whatever it was that we were exploring that built into the format. Yeah. It's the idea that we're, we're just going to sit in this and we're not going to resolve it. I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. I, I think it would invite people into the, a, a more relational authenticity with the pastor too, or the, the person leading the discussion, you know, like, totally. like when a pastor preaches a really polished sermon, like yeah, how much of that is yeah. just totally. really polished and good and everything. But like in, a, in an honest conversation where they're having to answer a question that they really don't know the answer to. And they're like, you know what? And I, there's no prep. Totally. There's no prep. Like you get a lot more, you should get a lot yes. more authenticity. Um, we do. We do. Mm -hmm. And, and Preston, that's where we capture that bit of the podcast vibe is that people have now started interrupting and raising their hands and, <laughs> you know, saying like, I don't agree with that, or I don't understand that, or it sounds really cliche. And you're like, this is, <laughs> I love that. This, this oh. is marvelous. 
right? I would love it if somebody said that while I was speaking. Or oh, me. dude, there was a guy. It was it was the greatest thing ever. We were in the Sermon on the Mount, and we were talking about one of the most you know sort of cliche passages about worry, and each day has enough you know enough trouble of its own. The guy raises his hand. He's like. I hear you, but I feel like you're going to the most cliched place on this. Please tell me you're not. That was his question. <laughs> you look at your notes like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, I know. So exactly I where I'm right. going. <laughs> uh, and, and what's great, what's great is just simply going, I don't know. Someone will ask a question. And you're like, I, I, I've never thought about that. I don't have any idea. Oh. Or we have a couple of psychologists in the room who will, oh, wow, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll ask a spiritual formation question that has great overlap with psychology. And it'll be like, I'm not sure, but here's this person that you should talk to. Mm, yeah. Like it models all these beautiful things that I think we get to model in the podcast. But I just think there's a trust earned on the ground that is different Yeah, at the, at the sermon level. That's good. I've often wondered like the independence of, and I'll just say for, for me, you know, my podcast there's no, it's under no authority. It rests on the authority of me and my wife, really. <laughs> I'm oh, glad she's involved because oh. if it was just me, it might get off the rails. But, um, uh, <laughs> and I've often thought like, cause again, I have such a, I do have a high ecclesiology. Like I actually think, yeah, we should have leaders who are spiritual authorities that we place right. ourselves under. Like I don't, I think that is or can be a, a good thing. And yet I'm doing yeah. this really independent thing. But then I've had pastors tell me like, yeah, but if you were under some kind of authority, you wouldn't, your podcast would not be the podcast. It wouldn't be what it is now. Like your independence is what is actually in turn. I had um, Kevin Kim. He He's, he's the kind of co-leader with Francis Chan out in the, you know, um, the, the crazy love ministry and the, the uh, love we are church. Anyway, amazing guy. One of my favorite yeah. people on earth. And That's he's like, awesome. no, like you actually help us as pastors and leaders, because you are untethered to somebody else saying, well, maybe you shouldn't have that guest on or no, do you really want to, yeah. that's a little too edgy, you know, um, yeah, you shouldn't have yeah. a trans person interview you on a podcast, you know, what, right. which I did a few weeks ago. Um, so I don't know. I, I just wonder if, if, it, if it is actually more helpful for the church that at least for my little lane that I'm in for it to be independent. Yeah. Um, well, it depends. It depends what you mean by independent. There's spiritually, yeah. Like, like, so I have a board because we're a 501c3 and I have oh, a board okay. that I answer to and, but they're not church people. They're <laughs> uh, business people and they, they, they have a, they, they love Jesus and they love the church, but they don't see this. They see this as a, a fiduciary responsibility to best serve our audience. So the okay. questions they ask are things like, am I healthy? Um, okay. yeah, is our co-host Tim healthy? Um, are we in integrous with all the money? Yeah. Um, are we, are we thinking about the audience in all things or are we just doing what's easy to us? Okay. Um, and, and that's been really helpful, but what they don't do is go, Hey guys. In fact, uh, a couple of them might want us to be far edgier. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but they would never just say, you know, they give us feedback absolutely on like how we're executing things. But um, but they would never box us yeah. in sort of theologically, which yeah. is what I hear you being afraid of. And I, I couldn't agree more yeah. with Kevin about that. To take that away robs why theology in the raw – I mean it wouldn't live up to its name anymore. And I, you, you know, know what I mean? To, to, 
I guess I, I, I do have inform for certainly informal influences for one, yeah. like uh, my pa- Patreon community of 550 people that, and we talk, yep. they met, we message all the time. We do Q and a podcast. We're going to start doing like zoom chats and everything. And they'll, they'll say, Hey, I think you should have this person on, or they'll say, yeah. you know, yeah. Hey, you know, you said this, but I don't think that's accurate. Here's why. And yes. it's, it's all within a relational, like we love what you're doing, but yep. And and I always tell them you have complete freedom to to say anything that you feel like was less helpful or whatever. I'm, I may even disagree and say, ah, no, I'm I'm going to stick to my guns on this one or whatever. And they're fine with that. And I'm fine with it. But um, yeah. and you know, I've got friends that listen a lot, and it's just not a formal like authority. But certainly, yeah. I'm not just out winging it by myself. So I, yeah, Absolutely. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just. No, you're not. You're not. And and there is even within the podcast community. There are clumps of like-minded sort of podcasts that we kind of all, I mean, I don't know. I kind of watch what you're doing. I watch what others do. Um, I what, find that very what inspiring. What are some others? Can you can you name a few that you feel like are in, in similar spaces that you like? I, so a huge one's Holy Post. Holy yeah. Post is interesting because the first part of it's usually just sort of talking about current events, silly news. Yeah. And then they'll have a... Um, and then they'll have an interview uh, for the second half of it. And so I, I come across people all the time who who prefer one one of those okay. formats over the other. There's a guy we've had on our show called Tim Gombas. And wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Okay, you so know Tim from Cedarville. I know one of my good friends. This whole time, do you know you sound, act, talk just like Tim Gombas? I feel like I'm talking to Tim Gombas when I talk to you. You have the same. Really? I was gonna bring it up because I didn't think you knew who he was though. The same oh cadence, goodness. even phrase. You guys are like, oh my, yeah, that's incredible. Well, I think he stole it from me. I, I mean, <laughs> just to be honest. So he, my, he has been a massive influence, but he has um, a podcast called Faith Improvised. Yeah, yeah. He is a New Testament professor and he, his work on, he did a, a podcast series. He's writing a commentary on Romans. Yeah. So he podcasted through Romans. Oh, wow. And I mean, this is not for the faint of heart, man. This yeah. is like, wow, but it's so brilliant. Wow. Yeah. I love, I just absolutely love what he's doing. And, um, the, he, the whole cruciform thing was, um, he introduced me to Michael Gorman, oh, who yeah. has been a major, yeah. major influence um, Richard Hayes is another guy that I kind of access through through Tim. Tim's been a, been a good friend, and we talk about you every time, and we talk about Cedarville. What, how, how did you get to know? When did you start? When did you first find Tim? Like, do you guys go way back? So, or? I found Tim. Um, he wrote a book on Ephesians yeah. that I I thought was one of the most helpful yeah. Ephesian commentaries, although it wasn't technically a commentary. And so I, I found him online. He had a blog called Faith Improvised, yeah. and I found him in two, 2010. Oh my god! And yeah. I loved the way that he thought about the Christian life. He was talking about celebrity and weakness and things that yeah. I was really in the middle of wrestling with. And then he and I did a, an event together where we were talking about are women free to serve in any capacity in the church, oh, wow. or are the strictures of Timothy and Corinthians really enforced today? And um, just got to know each other then, invited him on the podcast. And then we have him on probably four or five times a year. No, And way. it's been really fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had him um, on uh, about eight months ago. I think uh, that might have nice. been the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, he's such he's, a good dude. He's, 
<laughs> he's such a good dude, such a good dude. And, and his opened up Paul for me in ways mm. that I just had not yeah. encountered. And so if there are mannerisms that I'm sure I've taken them from you him, sound exa- if I close uh, my eyes, I would feel like I'm talking to Tim. Really? Yes. That's incredible. Yes. Even All that, right, well, that that's, that's, that's so Tim right there. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> well, then, then, uh, then I guess I'm just a pale imitation. Yeah. But his podcast has been has been really really good. Other ones for me, Greg Boyd. You know Greg Boyd, yeah, yeah, out of uh, Minneapolis. He has one called Apologies and Explanations. That's literally just him answering questions. Interesting. And yeah, and um, it, so every episode's like three to four to five minutes, and it's just him okay. answering a question. Huh. And he he's, does it with he's a guy speaking at my he's speaking at the Exiles Conference next year. Oh, I know. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, bro, you've, I mean, I'm impressed. I'm not going to lie. I'm impressed <laughs> at, the, at some of the fish here uh, that you have landed. And then there, are, then there are smaller sort of regional podcasts. But I actually, I don't know about you. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm typically, you know, in my own head thinking about the content we're doing yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know, do you listen to, do you listen I only, to, to me? I almost only listen to secular podcasts. Um, oh, that's good. <laughs> some, might, some might say, <laughs> not say it's good. Let me, um, yeah. Like what? Unspeakable with Megan down uh, the VP ZD show with, um, oh, who is that? Well, uh, Lex Friedman sometimes Joe, uh, Joe Rogan. Oh, Barry Weiss. Um, it's probably uh, my favorite. She's my go-to journalist. If anything happens in the news, she's my go-to. Or um, yeah, I follow the, uh, her on Twitter. She's a she's amazing. She's a who? Um, Andrew Sullivan. Sometimes yeah. I listen to yeah. uh, Katie Herzog and Jesse Single blocked and reported. They're they're <laughs> they're really funny, <laughs> but really it. sharp. So yeah, they're they're basically like classical liberal. Um, yeah, journalistic types, you know, that are accused of being kind of right wing because they're not on the far extreme left, you know, and they're kind of sick of the like Barry Weiss is a classic example. I mean, here's a married, yeah, lesbian atheist, checks off all the boxes on being, you know, liberal, but she's just really yep. turned off by how, yeah, heavy handed kind of the far left has become. I just, I, I just, I love listening to people that are just independent thinkers. They're heterodox. They're not yeah. afraid to say something that might go against yeah. whatever tribe they might be in. You know, I mean, R- Rogan's that yeah. way too. And um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, so I uh, there is a, uh, I do list. So the pour over podcast is where I get my news from. Have you heard of this? Dude, no, it's, I haven't. it's a genuinely nonpartisan seven minute overview of just give me the facts of what big events. Huh, tell me what happened. Down. They're incredible. Um, and we've, really? I've had, I've had him on the show, the guy who founded it. Um, that's basically oh, where I no get my, way. I get my news from there. Just give me the facts and I'll go to like Barry Weiss or somebody if I want a more in-depth, you know, conversation. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tr- Truth over tribe. I just had these guys on truth over tribe. They discuss, they push back against any kind of like tribalism in in the church. They're really awesome. I'm really loving those guys. Those are probably the two Christian podcasts, yeah. and I guess there's a few others that I dabble in here and there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I love if we're if we're broadening, um, I'd go Conan O'Brien oh. needs a friend. I just love <laughs> love how I just I think he's a riot. But yeah, I just find myself. 
doing a lot of thinking and reading and mm. studying. And I don't often, sometimes if I I'll have podcasts on kind of in the background yeah. <laughs> um, for, for like sports, like, you know, it yeah. used to be like sports I would have in the background. Now it's, now it's fun podcasts, but, yeah. uh, I'm not a super attentive, uh, attentive listener, but all that yeah. is to say, I love what you're thinking, man, about. So, so take the conference that you're doing. Yeah. Right. See, you're already moving this way. You're yeah. already moving towards incarnation. Yeah. There's something that you can do in a conference. You just can't do in a series of podcasts. Guys. It's just different. Right. 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 To yeah. Gather people for three yeah. days as opposed to just have all of those same guests right. on your podcast. That was so, I mean, honestly, me, because most people there, we had what, like maybe 1,100 people. I would say about. I don't know. That's amazing. And about 95% were from out of town. Like there's, I had a show of hands. Who here is from out of, out of Idaho? And the whole, like everybody's hand went. <laughs> I did talk to some people that were like, hey, I couldn't, my hand didn't go up, but you didn't, you know, you couldn't see it. But, um, so, and almost everybody was there, had some relationship with the podcast. So I'm meeting people mm. for the first time, names I've heard, they've sent them questions, some are Patreon supporters and stuff. Always. It was so fun to yep. get that embodiment, you know? I mean, and, and there was yeah. a wide range. You could tell from what they were cheering at and what they were kind of booing at during the conference, like where they, so it was a fairly broad, theologically broad audience, I would say. Um, it, awesome. it could be broader, but I mean, in terms of conferences, usually conferences are put on everybody has the same perspective people come because they want to be re encouraged in what they already believe you know maybe that's too cynical yeah. but um yeah this was a pretty broad broad I think range that's of great. people um yeah it was i fun. just find it interesting you're moving that way it's fun man. and yeah. yeah and and i mean but the 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 people who love the church bit more than i do are my kids um, mm. to be in a church where yeah. that sort of wrestling is done and yeah. it's just been phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. for them. So they, they actually have hope that, um, and it's certainly not perfect. My Lord, no, Yeah, yeah. but it's been super healthy so far. Yeah. And, um, to have places to ask questions and be skeptical and be curious has been yeah. really great. Cause they certainly do not listen to their freaking dad's <laughs> podcast. I can tell you that. You know what I did? I, I just had my, um, third daughter on the podcast. She, she's an Enneagram five, deep, deep thinker, high BS meter and has, she reads like a ton of books and just like sweetest kid in the world. Um, a, but a deep thinker, like a, I, at first you would you meet her and she's just so kind and loving and everything. And then she'll throw you a bomb of a theological question. You're like, I've never oh, heard that, that question before. And I don't know what I think about that. Um, so we, we go out to, um, chips and salsa every couple of weeks. And I said, all right, she keeps lists of theological questions. You know, oh, why man. did God have to kill the Canaanites? You know, yep. like, okay, soldiers, I get that, but women and children, you know, and then I'm like, well, there's other ways to interpret this. And she's like, well, I don't know. Are you just like trying to cover up something that's difficult or was that really what the text says? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. Why did oh, God kill Ananias and Sapphira for lying? Um, and right. doing, he did really bad stuff, but there's other people doing bad stuff. How he doesn't kill them? Is God going to kill me if I lie? Why not? That doesn't seem fair. He doesn't kill me, but he kills them. Um, just on and on and on. So we just basically did that live conversation without, I didn't know ahead of time what she's going to ask me. And we just went through her question. So yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's, well, that's one good way to get him to listen. I like that. Yeah. That's so smart. <laughs> um, she's your what? 13, 14. She's my uh, 15, 15 year old. Yeah. 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Man, kids, that is awesome. How old are your kids? 
We're similar. We're I have uh, nineteen, seventeen, That's and right. almost fourteen. That's right. Yeah. So we're yeah we're cooking, baby. We're in the middle of it. <laughs> Giddy up. They like living in uh, you, Franklin. They they do. It's a it's a little different pace than what we were used to. So they were born and raised in California, and oh, so it's yeah. just the the pace of life is so much healthier and okay. yeah. yeah, it's been great. Yeah. That's you should think about it someday. I don't know. I don't know. I don't impress it. I don't know. Maybe you should. Yeah. We, we came really close a couple times moving out there. Yeah, I know. We'll see what the That's why is. I'm just saying like, well, I'll keep a, what are they, what's the motel at? I'll keep a light on for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do that. Absolutely. <laughs> showing your age. Yeah. I won't yeah. lie, man. Oh, I might man. move just for the barbecue though. Oh my gosh. Let me, let me tell you Ugh. that that is facts. And Nashville hot chicken is a real oh. thing and it's wonderful. Yeah, the yeah food in general there is just oh my gosh. Yes. I, I start planning yeah. whenever I travel to Nashville. I swear, two weeks ahead of time, I'm already on Yelp planning my like meal schedule. <laughs> That's fair. That is absolutely oh, fair. Yeah. No question, man. Uh, I'm just so proud of you, bro, and I love what you're up to. And um, thank you. You're such a great interviewer because. Like I, I had no idea what we we're going to talk about, but you get, you get onto something and you just ask a million questions and I love it. And you're thinking about it and it's just, it's so fun, dude. I had no so, clue what we're going to talk about. Well either. done. Yeah. I forgot you're yeah. even coming on. I look at my calendar. I'm like, Oh, I'm talking to Mike right now. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, I, I, I knew, I, I knew I, you're coming on. That's a joke. That's hurtful. I looked, I've been looking forward to this for months. So <laughs> I dressed up, I dressed up, I did my hair. <laughs> You saw Rogaine, Rogaine model or Rogaine something on your Twitter profile? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. what are you going to do with this? You know, <laughs> I'm married. So that, check that box. But you should get otherwise, a big goatee and a Harley. You could, you could rock that. Yeah. I could totally rock that. You're yeah. absolutely right. Or be a bouncer is the other option I've yeah. been thinking about. <laughs> I'd be a good, I'd be a good bouncer. So yeah. I mean, Preston, listen, it, as long as you keep your hat on, you look great. All right. So just keep it on. And, you know, be perpetually I, 35. Yeah. I do wear a hat a lot. I mean, I've just, I've always worn hats, but like, oh, they're so gray, dude. And like, I feel like every month I'm getting gray. It's just like, it, it's just like yeah. going very gray really fast, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But just shave it, man. I mean, that, Can I shave it? Is there any gray here? Nope, no gray. No, I had it shaved oh. probably ten years ago. Not not quite like skin, but it was really short for about oh. a couple of years. It was fun. It was like low oh, maintenance, it, you know. But yeah, it's very low maintenance. Absolutely, dude. Well, buddy, I gotta run. Uh, thanks so much for the conversation. Yeah. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I would love to keep the dialogue ongoing about just kind of an ecclesiology of podcasting and um yeah if you have any other thoughts or revelations or out-of-body experiences along those lines let me know we'd love to keep thinking about that'd it. be really fun yeah absolutely man thanks hey thanks for the convo i love it yeah you too man This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.